0: This is Churchianity for September 22nd, 2017. I sit here and I stare at an empty screen with the words Churchianity, Season 1, Episode 1, with sparse words of rambling thoughts, and I have been doing this often over the last couple of weeks. To be absolutely transparent, this has been one of the hardest things to do. No music this time. No jokes this time. Simple, straight word of God. Because that's what it has to be. It has never been my personal intention to go to this issue so quickly. However, current events and culture have deemed it necessary to talk about something that is secondary to the gospel. The Nashville Statement was drafted and published online on August 29th during the Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission of the Southern Baptist Convention. It was placed online by a group called the Council on Biblical Manhood and Womanhood. This statement, in essence, sets the church's role in opposition to LGBTQ sexuality, same-sex marriage, and a lot of other issues. The statement consists of a preamble and 14 articles. The preamble reads, Evangelical Christians at the dawn of a 21st century find themselves living in a period of historic transition. As Western culture has become increasingly post-Christian, it has embarked on a massive revision of what it means to be a human being. By and large, the spirit of our age no longer discerns or delights in the beauty of God's design for human life. Many deny that God created human beings for His glory, and that His good purposes for us include our personal and physical design as well as male and female. It is common to think that human identity as male and female is not part of God's beautiful plan, but is rather an expression of an individual's autonomous preferences. The pathway to full and lasting joy through God's good design for his creatures is thus replaced by the path of short-sighted alternatives that sooner or later ruin human life and dishonor God. Not to point fingers here, but notable people who have signed the statement include Francis Chan... James Dobson, Ligon Duncan, Ronnie Floyd, Russell Moore, John Piper, James Robeson, Rosanna Butterfield, not to mention Steve Gaines, pastor of Bellevue Baptist Church here in Memphis, Tennessee, and current president of the Southern Baptist Convention. Many responses have been crafted after this statement was released from many different corners of the earth. The statement that really piqued my interest into this entire ordeal was a liturgist statement, released by theliturgist.com. While I personally take umbrage to this group even calling themselves liturgists, I am here not here to beat that pulpit. I do, however, call to attention the first signature from Michael Gunger. Once again, not beating a pulpit, but I encourage you to seek out his beliefs on the Bible and biblical creation. His own words in a Facebook post say, For those of you who seem to think we are conservative evangelical Christians or something, speaking for the band, I'm sorry for your confusion. I know we have sung a lot about God at times, and I think that has made some people think that we are something we are not. We do love God very much, but we do not subscribe to a literal biblicalism or anything like that. We have been LGBTQ affirming for years. We have enjoyed science, including evolutionary theory, for years. And the list goes on. I would encourage you to listen to our music if you are interested in seeing what we really believe about things. But I assure you, it has not been fundamentalist Christianity since around 2006. Another couple of posts seem to point again to advertising his podcast. A lot of commentators on the last post seemed confused or angered by our affirmation of LGBTQ folks. Here's a link to a podcast we put out a couple of years ago I put out on this topic that I strongly recommend you listen to and share if you are interested in how a person could possibly be both affirming and Christ-loving. I consider it one of the most important things we have made. Now, this liturgist statement is considerably shorter, and frankly polar opposite of its mate, reading, In regards to Christians across the spectrum of sexual orientations and gender identities, it's past time to accept and affirm them as they are, in the same way that we no longer accept the morality of slavery based on its inclusion in our scriptures, we can no longer project first century notions of sex and sexuality on people today. The very notion of orientation or even heterosexual would be completely foreign to the authors of both the Old and New Testaments in the Bible. The statement goes on to affirm that people of all sexual orientations and gender identities are fearfully and wonderfully made holy before God, beloved and beautiful as they are, that all people have full autonomy over their bodies and sexual orientations and gender identities, and the diversity of identities reflects the creative power of a loving God, that God is honored in any consenting and loving relationship, and therefore all such relationships deserve honor and recognition, that same-sex relationships and marriages are as holy before God as heterosexual marriages, and finally, they stand in solidarity with LGBTQ folks and commit to standing alongside them in the work of resisting those who persecute them. These two divisive, polarizing statements, I venture to say, should not have been released to the open public. God's church is losing its identity in the gray areas of culture today. Therefore, I believe that the Nashville Statement has merit in some form. While churchianity has gone on record as affirming the Nashville Statement, the story doesn't end there. The story doesn't even pick up there. The story, the focus, starts 2,000 years ago on a cross when the Christ took the sin of the world upon himself and his father turned away because he could not look upon sin. Jesus cried out, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, meaning my God, my God, why have you turned your back on me? Isaiah said it like this. He said, the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all, and God could not intervene there. God hates sin and the separation from us that our sin brings, but your iniquities have separated you from your God. Your sins have hidden hidden his face from you so that he will not hear. That's Isaiah 59, 2. With the weight of the sin of the entire world on his shoulders, I don't think Jesus was thinking that Peter might have been gay or wondering if Mary Magdalene was a lesbian. A little harsh? Maybe. But it's through statements like the Nashville statement that the very people that we are trying to reach see some of our nature They don't understand God's love seen through catalyzing statements like this. They don't understand that we are not condemning them for the things in their lives. To the LGBT community, this is a banner. This is a standard. This is their rallying point. And although I agree with the mechanics of the Nashville statement, I truly believe that this is a secondary issue. And because of the pushing to the forefront of this issue, we will miss out on sharing the gospel with some of the people who really need it most. Yes, I can go to 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 11, tell the gay man that he won't inherit the kingdom of God. I can go to Jude, verse 7, and say that people who indulge in sexual morality and pursue a natural desire serve an example going to eternal punishment. How about... Hebrews 13.4, the marriage kept pure. How about this one? John 8.3-11, the scribes and Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in adultery and placing her in the midst, they said to her, Teacher, this woman had been caught in the act of adultery. Now in the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. So what do you say? They said to test him, that they might have some charge to bring against him. Jesus bent down and wrote with his finger on the ground. And as they continued to ask him, he stood up and said to them, Let him who is without sin among you throw the first stone. Once again he bent down and wrote on the ground. But when they heard it, they went away, one by one, beginning with the older ones. And Jesus was left alone with the woman standing before him. Jesus stood up and said to her, Woman! where are they has no one condemned you she said no one lord and jesus said neither do i condemn you go and from now on sin no more just like most christians i read my bible my bible also tells me that paul uses the foolishness of preaching to save those who believe my bible also tells me to go therefore and teach all nations baptizing them in the name of the father the son and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things. My Bible, four different times and four different ways, tells me of the Christ suffering on the cross for me. My Bible tells me to revere Christ as Lord and to always be prepared to make a defense to anyone who asked me of a reason of the hope that I have in me. Most people stop there, however, and don't read on where it says, yet do it with gentleness and respect. There are people that I've talked to that have expected me to be mean-spirited, to lay down the law, to disprove and break the backs of churches that are doing wrong, to break open the back doors of churches everywhere and yell out, Jack Hughes! I believe, as I have always believed, that we are to speak the truth in love. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will go to become in every aspect the mature human body of him who is the head that is Christ that is the Bible that is the gospel I will not allow myself to be a blunt instrument of hatred toward a people who are struggling to find their own identity in this world but don't even realize that the world doesn't matter that in the long run what matters is whether you understand that Jesus died for you that Jesus covers your sin no matter what you believe that sin to be Yeah, I just went there. Let me be crystal here. The church's main responsibility is to glorify God, and that is through winning souls, period. It is God's job to judge, and if we did not have Jesus' coverage, we would be condemned. The homosexuality slash marriage debate is secondary to that. Do not idolize the church's secondary issues, This has been one of the hardest things for me to record. Uh, The studio right now is at 86 degrees. The internet's been in and out. I've had a computer go out and can't even afford to fix it. I haven't been feeling that great lately. I've been struggling to write this for two or three weeks or more. But the word needs to stand, whether it be through me or someone else. That truth in love that Paul speaks out about is not whether you are straight or gay. It's not whether... You are married to someone you shouldn't be married to or should be married to. It's whether you are going to hell or not. It's everyone is born a sinner. With the concept of original sin, everyone has come short of the glory of God. Now, gentle listener, I will tell you that some of the best people I know are transgender, gay, lesbian, or just questioning their sexuality. I've laughed with them. I have loved them, I have worked with them, and yes, I have cried with them. On the opposite side of that coin, some of the worst people I have known have carried a badge of Christianity, have stood on the stage and used God's word to condemn their flocks to an eternity of hell through false teaching, have profited from God's people by telling them that they can live their best life today. But dear listener, our hope does not lie in today or this world. And I want everyone to join me in prayer for this community. Whether you are straight or gay, God is still hoping to see you through the blood of Christ. And that is the point. Thank you for listening. I'm not going to do the like and subscribe thing. You can if you want to. But continue this discussion. Thanks for your time.